Welcome to American Billiard Radio. Today is Thursday, June 14th. I've got, a, I've got two interesting interviews for you this time. Um, spoke to Dean Raisler with the WPBA. He is the president of the WPBA. And then I also spoke to Luke Riches about the U.S. Open, the Moscone Cup, the Reyes Cup, uh, a number of different things. Before we get to that, though, let's catch up on what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, we've had three different events, pretty major events that were announced for later this year. Um, the Ballpark Village Nine Ball Invitational was announced. That will take place in downtown St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Ballpark Village is where Mark Wilson had the Moscone Cup Team USA uh, exhibition uh, two years ago, I believe. This is a uh, 25,000 added. It's based on a list of invites, but the list of invites is basically pretty much the who's who of the top 64 players. Uh, that'll take place November 27th through December 1st. Another event that was announced is the first signature tour stop from the WPBA. That'll take place at Emerald Billiards in New Iberia, Louisiana. Apologize, I don't know what the added money is on it, but it's a guaranteed purse of 29000 That is June 22nd through the 24th, so that's coming right up. Pool Action TV is going to stream that one, so you'll be able to follow it for, you know, if you can't make it to New Iberia. The Ginky Memorial took place, the 8th annual Ginky Memorial. The pro side was won by Eklant Kachi, who seems to be winning just about everything. He defeated Lee Van Corteza in the finals, and then less than a week later, Kachi and Corteza had a big challenge match that was streamed by AZB TV, and Kachi won that one too. Just to make sure that you don't think that Kachi wins every tournament he enters, the Maryland State Nine Ball Championship took place June 2nd and 3rd, and James Aranis defeated Kachi twice in the finals to win that event. Just a couple of days ago, we saw the list of the 14 prospective players for Team USA and the Moscone Cup, with, of course, the biggest surprise being the fact that Shane Van Boning's name is not on that list. That was a big reason why I spoke to Luke this week, and we'll wait until that interview, uh, and he can, he can fill everybody in on what the thinking is over there on that. And then the other big event was the World Pool Series had their second tour stop of the year. Uh, slightly larger field, uh, slightly better U.S. representation at the event. Uh, Joshua Filler won the event, defeated Alex Kazakis in the finals. That's pretty much the, the news for the week, or, or for the last couple of weeks. And since I've got two interviews for you here, I don't want to I don't want to talk for too long. I'd much rather let the guests have a chance to talk. So, let's start off with Dean Raisler with the WPBA. He'll tell us about the signature stop and what the WPBA has going. Very happy to be joined by the new, well, actually, is it fair to say new WPBA president, uh Dean Rossler? Yeah, it, it is and uh you get, uh, I think, last name pronunciation of about three there. It's actually Raceler, but you'd never get Raceler out of the way it's spelled, so I'll forgive you, Mike. All right, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, new, new as far as January this year, yeah. And, and there were a lot of board changes, weren't there? There were. We had a, uh, I was actually elected the year before, along with Renee Lyle, uh, the president of the APA, and this year there was a couple of spots uh, up for grab that uh, Sharon Rice Hicks, the uh, the one incumbent board member that was left, ran, and Lori John Hassan ran, and uh, a few others, and those two got the most votes. And then we appointed Emily Duddy, so that brought in uh, um, a couple more. And then we have uh, also Tim McCullough from uh, the Soaring Eagle. He works at the Soaring Eagle Casino. He's in marketing and, and promotions, and we brought him aboard to actually replace Mark Mayfield, who left due to his work. Uh, he owns a marketing company, and that just blew up on him. 
So he just didn't have the time commitment anymore. So uh, we got a good, and John Abruja was also another one that was elected the year before. So we have, I believe, three in their second year terms now. And uh, the appointed one, Emily Duddy, is on a one-year appointment. Every year you appoint one uh, person as a board. The board makes an appointment for a year term. So that makes a total of seven. This seems to be a new, um, a new level of energy coming from the board. Is that, is that just, am I seeing things wrong from the outside, or, or what's it, what does it look like at that level? I think what you have probably is a, is a board demographic and some experienced, although they're not all players, like sometimes in the past there's been a majority of the players on the board. I think you have some people in business and that have some, uh, some experience and visions and kind of know uh, not what to do and, and got us all like moving in the same direction. And, you know, getting venues, I think some people have a misconception of how tough it is to really get a venue and then go through the process of attaining a venue. And then once you got it, to hold it. That's the key one. And we've been very fortunate with the Soaring Eagle Casino in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. I think we're in our ninth year with them. Uh, they stuck through thick and thin, and uh, hopefully they can reap the benefits like we once had there with the huge attendance and, and everything moving in the right direction. So it's, uh, it's, it's exciting, actually. It's, it's work, but it's exciting when you see things fall into place and you know, we get more and more calls and actually venues contacting us versus, uh, you know, ourselves going out trying to pick, let's go here, let's try to go there, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's going good. And you mentioned thick and thin. For the last couple of years, it's it's been kind of thin. Um, and I think there were a number of different things that caused that, at least in my opinion. Uh, what do you think happened where the tour kind of took a step back? I think that in, from my perspective and what I thought all along, I believe that the WPBA is a great brand. It's been around for 42 years, but sometimes the economy and the present day doesn't support like it had in the past. Like how much do you get from a venue? I mean, how much, how much should you ask? What do you need? There's always extra costs on for them when they're putting on a show. The lighting, the the bleachers, the seating, all the everything that has to be done comes at a price. Also, if you get some comp rooms from the venue for your tournament staff and that, you know, all this comes at a price. So what I think was happening was, um, you know, prior to 2008 when everything blew up. I think there was a lot, and I noticed it in my business, that there's a lot more expendable money for people that when they went to the casinos, they spent a lot more money. Now that's tightened up in recent years. I'm hoping it's swinging back so that, you know, people are doing better and they have more money to entertain themselves with. But the reality was I do believe that our contracts were costing us potential venues, just the sheer dollar amount. Well, I mean, the economy hurt. Everybody. I mean, it, it hurt the entire game. But yeah, it it seemed to be right about that time that you know you were you were having less casino tournaments, and you don't. In the beginning, the WPBA wasn't all in casinos, was it? Well, no. I mean, actually, the casinos weren't even probably around when the WPBA started. For that, at the, at least at the stage they are now, most of them have like twenty five year anniversaries now and and stuff like that so you're probably between 25 and 30 and i'm guessing i don't know the actual data on it but you know when you start out in in pool rooms and and ballrooms and hotels and and all that stuff and you graduate it was an easy transition to go to casinos because the casinos had the money that they could pay for an event and it wouldn't you know ruffle their bottom line too much you know they sold tickets for it to recoup part of the Thing, and then they had a good show to put out. And when you can put 250, 300 people in the stands, you know, it's exciting. And even if you're just watching nine ball you know, over and over again, you got new people watching it, so it can it can be pretty good. And, you know, you, you, had, you had a good run, but I think it came time to reevaluate what you're trying to do, and that's what we did as the new board. We came up with a three-tiered 
tournament. I mean, a signature, which we've got coming up here later this month at Emerald Billiards, a signature stop is more or less designed for a pool room where a pool room can afford to put out the money to have the pros come in. We don't require the top pros to attend because we understand a lot of them coming from overseas. The cost of the ticket itself is going to be a big chunk. Then you got entry, then you got um, hotel, you know, all that adds up where you really don't make a, a good profit if you place in a tournament. So we've waived that on the on the top players, you know, and we get as many as we can. And we, we got it within a person or two of being full, and we'll, I'm sure, fill it up in the next few days again. You just Sometimes you have cancellations for whatever reasons, medical or something comes up, and you just have to w- use your waiting list and, and plug them back in. But that's the low end. We have our classic tour stop in the middle for, like, an hotel or a smaller casino to do it. And then we have a called a Grand Slam event, and that's the one that the Soaring Eagle did, and we're proposing another one down in Houston this year. Um, and uh, we'd like to have, like, in a perfect world, three or four of them when things get rolling again in a couple of years you know, with a with an added purse of between forty and fifty thousand dollars to each event, and of course, once we get the tour to where we need it to be with enough stops, and hopefully it's as soon as next year, then maybe we can pull in some sponsorship again, and uh, and make it better for the players yet by putting you know some sponsorship money into the tournament and and making even bigger purses. Well, you've talked about the the top Asian players not being required to come in and play looking at the list of players, you've still got quite a few of the top. Well, I can't think of any U S players, you know, top female U S players that aren't on the list already. Well, yeah, it, it is actually uh, probably a little bit better than what we envisioned. We had hopes of course them coming, but uh, um, you know, I had to twist a few arms, but not, not really to the extent I mean, a, it's going to be a nice tournament, and I, I believe the the owner down at Emerald is very happy with what's going on, and uh, um, it, it's it's probably it could turn into an annual event. I mean, you know, he's he's putting considerable money into it, but he's he's doing pretty well in the ticket sales, and we've gotten some help from the the uh, local APA there and the and the regional APA players. We really got some advertising out to them, so. I think it's going to be a really, really fun event. I really do. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be down there anyway. I'll be running the event uh, for this first uh, signature stop. And uh, we're going to have it streamed. Uh, Pool Action TV will be streaming it. So uh, those dates are June 22nd to the 24th. And then you have something scheduled for the 21st also in the room? That would be Jeanette is going to be doing some exhibition and challenges to promote the event, get people in, sell them tickets, and uh, do a little three-hour pre-deal for us. And, uh, um, yeah, a kickoff, kickoff type thing, pro- promotional kickoff. And Jeanette's going to be playing? Oh, yeah, Jeanette, it's, it's, it's her gig. She'll be taking challenges and doing some trick shots and a little exhibition, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, an added bonus in in, in my book uh, for the people in that area. She is definitely one of the more recognized names outside of the diehard pool fans. I don't think it would matter if Jeanette went to and out in every event she played in. (laughs) She's still Jeanette Lee. She's still the most recognized person in pool, the Black Widow. And it's funny when you talk to people that don't know a whole lot about pool, oh, that's the first thing out of their mouth. Uh, they might not even know her name as Jeanette Lee, or they'll spell it wrong, they'll butcher it, the first name. But it's, uh, she has done a tremendous job of self-promotion, and plus she, you know, she does a good show, and it's, it's, I've worked with her a number of times, so it, I, I know this firsthand. And then in addition to Jeanette, you've got Allison Fisher, you've got Lena Scherzvik, um, Vivian. I see Gerda's going to be there. Gerda, Lori John, Monica Webb, um, Brittany Bryant, Melissa Little, Kim Newsom, um, Brit, uh, just 
most of the you know most of the top uh, players from the United States will all be there, and uh, and we filled in with some regional players and you know stuff like that. And it is what it is. It's a uh, it's a two hundred fifty dollar entry versus a normal uh, five hundred entry. Or now with the tiered system that I've developed, it's a uh, three hundred, four hundred, and five hundred. But we won't go into that because that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> of uh, that aspect of the tournament, but of a different type of tournament. But this one is a true double elimination, 64-player field. Top 16 will be seated. And you said it was going to be streamed by uh, Pool Action TV. Is that going to be free, or is it going to be pay-per-view? That would be free. And again, it's the 22nd through the 24th. You know, I, I had a, a thought come up when we were talking earlier about um, the little downswing that that I mean, all of pool took from your experience. Do you think that that coincided with um, ESPN losing interest in pool and with all the streaming that came on board? And and I certainly am not trying to, to bash streaming because it's here to stay. And, you know, beyond that, I do streaming, you know, it, it, it's a natural progression of the game but do you think that that maybe has hurt i don't i mean you you could you could look at it from that perspective myself am i a fan of streaming i would tell you no but it's for my own reasons of i can't sit on a computer and watch pool for any length of time at all because i've seen so much pool in my day that uh, unfortunately i get bored but uh, streaming, depending on how you use streaming, you know, if you're a venue, do you want it to be streamed or do you want people to come in and, you know, pay a ticket and watch? So you're, you're always walking that line, is it good, is it bad? You know, but to people that are 2,000 miles away, streaming's great. What the WPBA is attempting to do and is trying to build their fan base back up and share as many... Facebook and everything else we can groups to uh, to alert them to the stream. So, and what we want to do now is talk about some of the players. We want the fans to get to know the players better and have some of the players in the booth talking about themselves and talking about some of the other gals on the tour and especially the upcoming ones or new faces that are out there. Um, you know, so you know, because face it, you know. The girls can't play forever. You know, there's going to be some turnover at some point. We've been fortunate enough to have a, a great group, but we need another generation and we need another group of players to start coming in and taking some names. You get that from Asia, but we need it from America too, and we need the interest, to, obviously, for pool to keep going. And they look up to the pro players and they aspire to be pro players, but we gotta we got to get that... Uh, info out there to the people how do you think the influx of top talent from asia has affected the wpba i don't know up to this point um how much they've had a chance you know to uh to get into the wpba because of the uh the old qualifying system where you know, everybody had to come and try to qualify to get on. That's no longer happening. Um, the WPBA has just recently, as the board, we have suspended the regional tour system, and uh, we're looking to bring back players that once were part of us. There's a lot of interest in that respect of players coming back in. Obviously, Gerda came out of retirement, Lori John. Jeanette was on the shelf for a while. She's back in. Um you know, we want to rebuild. We want basically what we want to do is put the strongest field out there. Um, so you will see more and more of the Asian contingent coming in. We did have a gal, Wei Se Chung, or Chen, come in. Uh, she played at Soaring Eagle, took fourth place. I believe she's from Taiwan. So they're they're out there, and uh, little by little, you're going to probably see more of them, and they play great. So everybody needs to elevate their game it's not going to be just go through the motions it's going to be you're going to have to play your best and i think that's what you need on a pro based um level 
Uh, we we need we need good play, and we need everybody to have to fight. And the better play you have, you know, the better it is for the fans. The better it is for everything. You mentioned doing away with the regional tour system. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, basically, one of the larger regional tours that we had um, uh, decided not to uh, sanction, and it kind of took away enough of the chunk where. We just didn't want to devote all that time into chasing it down, at least this year, when we really, really feel that it's most important to develop venues and, and, and get the, the tour solidified again. We, we just feel that that is so much more important right now than a few of the smaller regional tours. So how, how would a regional-level player qualify for the tour now? Well, we're going to have to come up with some ways to do that, or we're going to have to uh, put a system in place that evaluates the talent of a player and put them in a put them in our also called ranking order to uh, to figure out who should be given a shot and uh, and who not. But you know, we still have our points list. We have I don't know eighty or ninety some ranked players. So um, by having these. By having more tournaments, the cream is going to come to the uh, top pretty quickly, you know, as we go forth through this next year. And you're going to probably find it difficult, a little more difficult to get on and play in a WPBA event um, with the, all the players coming back and all the ones that are already in it, you know, building and a few foreign ones coming in. So once what once was may not be is what I'm saying, you know. And when you talk about some of the veteran players coming back. What do you credit the return of of Gerda and Lori John and Jeanette? I mean, what do you think is is bringing them out of the woodwork to play again? Me begging them? No, <laughs> I just <laughs> uh, I do believe that they see that the the board that's in existence right now is really working hard and really trying to to do to do the right thing and to get, get more. It's hard for a person to play when you only have two events a year. Let's face it. I mean, you just, what do you do in between? You know, you, you certainly aren't playing pool every day, trying to practice up for a tournament that's six months away. So by having more events is the key and uh, maybe uh, sanctioning some other events or working with some other promoters to recognize their events and add to the schedule and just uh, just keep an open mind as a board of what can you do to improve women's pool in the United States. That's, that's the goal. However it is, you have to figure out and take some chances maybe. You have to figure out what's best to promote women's pool and to build it. And do you think that that level of enthusiasm is an across-the-board thing with with all of your your ninety some players, I believe I believe you're going to see. Um, I would hope that some of them just didn't win a regional tour and come and play once or twice and say I can't compete. I would hope they take the experience of playing in the tournament. Now I've done it. Now I've got past the nerve point. Now I'm going to go back and try harder and practice more and whatever I need to do to challenge it again to see how I can do the next time. That would be a, the attitude I'd like to see. I can't say that every one of the players is going to have that attitude, but the ones that do catch that and, and get motivated is only going to bring up their level of play, and others that know them are going to watch and possibly do the same thing. Like, you know, I used to play even with her. Now all she's playing on the WPBA, well, what did she do? If she can do it, certainly I can do it. So that's that's what we want to see. We want to see the grassroots people out there trying to get better and, and stand above the crowd and be noticed, you know. You and I both know that there was a time when being referred to as a WPBA touring professional was big for a lot of these players. Yeah, and uh, with that came sponsorships and notoriety and of course that's what we want to get back to if if not exceed but 
you can only do one step at a time. You can't just, it can't all just happen overnight. You have to have a plan and you have to have good people that are willing to put the time in and take time out of their busy schedules to put that plan into effect. And I think that's what we're getting into now. And, uh, I just look forward to the next, next number of years as we move forward with our contacts and hopefully hook, uh, a sponsor to a big sponsor along the way where we can get back to TV. You know, we, we briefly touched on ESPN, but um, for a while there, the cost of producing the ESPN shows was pretty significant and almost significant to the point where it's taken out of the prize funds. And that, you know, that got to be a little scary. So uh, I think a lot of people have the uh, thinking that ESPN comes in with their truck and they they tape and televise and broadcast. That's not the way it goes. Um, you pay to have the ESPN stuff done by an approved company and send them the finished product, and then they give you the airtime for it in the past. Then it went from ESPN, ESPN2 to ESPN3, and uh, the cost didn't change. The cost was still there. You still had to you know, produce it in high quality, and then it was on ESPN3. So that's... Uh, that's what we, you know, that's the, the path it took, you know. So now we're on streaming right now, but in hopes of getting a package back together where we can go back the other direction again and figure out, you know, how we want to do it. Well, that makes sense. Now, the, the signature tour stop is New Iberia, Louisiana? New Iberia. Don't say Liberia like I did one time in Monica, said, I think you meant Iberia. We were both laughing, but I guess you're right. I guess I should have read a little closer. But, uh, yeah, that's in southern Louisiana. Um, and uh, the uh, place is called Emerald Billiards. I think it's a pretty familiar name for for pool rooms. It's a pretty good-sized place. The owner's name is Keith Hewlin. I've been working with him directly, and uh, uh, I think we're going to have a real good time down there in a few weeks. Only two weeks out. And for fans who can't make it there, uh, again, it'll be streamed by uh, Ray Ray Hansen over at Pool Action TV. Is the the exhibition on Thursday with Jeanette? Is that going to be streamed? I can't answer that. Um, I don't know if he's going to be set up in time for that or not. Uh, I believe he may be, but uh, I haven't actually spoken with him about that yet. So we'll, we'll uh, I'll put that question to him. So possibly, but I know that through our media outlets and through the the new WPBA website, which we've just launched, WPBA.com, we've redone it. We've still got some things to add, but uh, if if fans want to take a look at that and take a look at the new look, we'll have a link there and we'll have a link on all our social media as well as uh, APA social media and Ray. So the word should get out there pretty well. I would would assume a pretty good... uh, Uh, viewership for this event. All right. Well, I know I'm looking forward to the event, uh, the 22nd through the 24th. Now, you had said you had some other stuff working. Do you have, are are there plans to have other stops still this year? Oh, yeah. I mean, September uh, 13th to 16th up here in Wisconsin. I was just at the casino yesterday, and uh, we're finalizing uh, the details. We're looking at uh, how to hang the lights and and stuff in one of their ballrooms and uh so we got engineering and that working on that and uh pretty much uh, that's uh that's a done deal and i'm working with a gentleman down in houston uh that's working with the children's charity on putting on a uh an event down there and we have a venue picked and we're just getting into the uh fundraising right now and that'll happen later on in the year possibly november uh and uh, that's uh, looking real strong. We have another meeting with him, phone conference on Sunday, and I believe I have a phone conference with the charity on Tuesday again. So that's moving forward. If I can figure out another one in between, possibly not going to bank on that, though. And we're recognizing Vivian's tournament out in Atlantic City the second weekend of November. Oh, okay. Tornado open. Yeah. So we're... Uh, We'll be working with her uh, starting now and in the future to uh, do something with her events and possibly sanction them or figure out a way. 
All right. And fans can get more information throughout the year at WPBA.com or on your Facebook page? Yeah, we have a, uh, a Facebook page and the, and the website, so you should see some stuff. Uh, Emily Duddy's been running uh, posts on the uh, on the Facebook on stuff, and there's been some contests and some giveaways. So if the fans, if they want to get on there and participate, that'd be great. Spread the word. All right. Well, Dean, I'm, I know you're a busy man. I won't take up any more of your time, but I appreciate you uh, sitting down and talking to us. And I think we're all looking forward to the event on the 22nd, on the weekend of the 22nd. All right. Cell phone's going off, so good timing. Thank all you, right. Mike. Thanks, Dean. Yep. Bye. It sure sounds like they've got a new, uh, a new energy on the WPBA board. It seemed like maybe that was lacking for a time, and that could have been for any number of reasons, but with this new board, it certainly sounds like uh, a new level of energy. Let's get on to Luke Riches with Matchroom Sport. Uh, we had a chance to talk about a lot, so I give you Luke Riches. Very proud to be joined now by Luke Riches from Matchroom. It's not Matchroom Sport anymore. It's Matchroom Multisport, right? That's correct, Mike, yes. And was that based on everything that you guys are involved in? It's just that the, the, the other parts of the company, boxing, which has become sort of massive at Matchroom, um, is its own company now. And then the, the PDC, Professional Darts Corporation, is a separate company. And then, obviously, World Snooker. So we thought we wanted to have our own sort of brand to encompass all the other events that we do, like pool, snooker, and bowling, and fishing, and ping pong, etc., so we came up with the idea of multi-sport, and uh, it's kind of starting to work a bit, I think, for us. Before we got together to talk, we had kind of joked a little bit about everything that we would have to talk about. I, I've wondered, do you handle just pool? I mean, which is kind of a silly thing to say, or do you handle everything? No, we. Uh, I mean, our multi-sport department does, I think, yeah, We obviously we do well, four pool events now and hopefully five. Um, and then we do a couple of snooker events, a fishing event, a 10-pin bowling event, a ping-pong event. Um, we do a basketball event, a netball event, and a gymnastics event as well. So we, we do quite a lot throughout the university. It's uh, quite different sports, yeah. Wow. So I've worked on Matchroom's pool since, since the very beginning, and uh, <clears throat> I've always got, <clears throat> that's, I guess... I could say it's my favourite, so I, I enjoy it. You know, I think we've, we've done some good things in Paul, and you know, I like the players, and I, I just really enjoy the enjoy the atmosphere. Well, Paul's very lucky to have everybody at your company doing as much as you do. Well, I mean, you know, we, we're a business, so we we do it to make money. But as, as kind of any business does, but obviously there's a lot more to it than that. I mean, for example, taking on the U.S. Open was something that Barry Hearn just thought, I mean, he didn't even sit there and work out any figures or anything. Just, he just thought, well, let's have a go at this and, and see where we can go with it. And I think he's, you know, he's really enthusiastic about these things, which kind of uh, everybody else is. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a big year. That's going to be a big event for us as well. It'll take us back to the days when we used to do the World Championship for nine years, which was an enormous event. Um and hopefully we're looking to sort of recreate some of that, I think, in, in some ways, although it's a very much in its structure, a very different event. That's a good place to get started. Um, what kind of response have you gotten from the players from uh, you guys taking it over? We've got a good response from the players. I mean, a lot, a, not all, but a fair few players have, have been involved in our events um, over the years and they know what they're like and, and they know that they're good events and, uh, I think people were quite excited that we're, we're that we're taking over the USA. We've we've had about seventy five entries so far, which is which is quite good for um, June. You know, and the events in April two thousand and nineteen. Funny enough, we've had quite a lot quite a lot of American players entered that we that we've never really heard of. I mean, I've, I've, I wouldn't say I've got an encyclopedic knowledge of all pool players, but I've got a fairly decent knowledge. And uh, yeah, so it's it's good to see that that, that players uh, you know are responding and and, and wanting to play in the event and uh, I mean it's quite easy to enter you can go you just go onto our match and pool website and, and you pay a $250 deposit or you can pay the whole amount of a thousand and then the other part of the, the fee will be payable in the new year so 
it's quite easy to enter if you want to enter. And pool players are notorious for waiting until the last minute to enter a tournament. What are the benefits of entering early? Is there a is there a limit as far as number of players? Well, there, there is a limit. I mean, it's 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 a it's a very high limit, but and it's, it's hard to say whether we reach that limit. I mean, we've invited all the we've written personally to all previous champions um, going back. You know, who who are, who are active and still play. Um, and we know we've got a response from quite a few of those who are going to play in the event. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if people if people want to take a chance, I mean, as I say, it's, it's quite a it's quite a high limit, so a, a high entry, a high field, a large field. So, um, but it, it's hard to say. I mean, it's we're getting some entries from all around the world. And I think that's just going to grow. And we're going to be looking at doing some qualification events. Um, we'll be we'll be sort of getting in touch with people in the next sort of four to six weeks to see if people want. I mean, it's quite, there's nothing, there's nothing for us, but it just enables players to, you know, play in a small tournament or a large tournament or whatever and uh, and, and, and win their entry fee and, and maybe some expenses and get to play in the event in Las Vegas in April. Right in, well, pretty soon after it was announced that you guys took over the US Open, uh, Barry posted that video online, uh, kind of, summing up his vision of the tournament it seemed from watching that video that he was imagining something like the excitement and and everything that comes with the Moscone Cup but instead tied to the U.S. Open it, it, am I on the right track there yeah yeah I mean I think you know it, it takes I mean, in some respects, we're starting <clears throat> the U.S. Open from from scratch. In some ways, in the respect that we're moving it to a, a completely different venue, and you know, we're moving it away from from its its home in some respects. But but Barry's Barry's really enthusiastic about things, and uh, you know, he, he he's he's going to really he's really trying for this. He, he basically he wants to to make some kind of breakthrough um, on U.S. TV with this, um, which we're hoping that's going to happen. Which to try and take the event to another level, um, and I, I think that's really achievable. And I think that uh, it's going to be good for the players. I mean, you know, he's hopefully he's uh, he's dream in the end is to abolish the entry fee, so the prize money is such is big enough without having to be bolstered by the players' entry money. But and that, but like all events, it, everything takes time. I mean, it, it generally, you don't like the Moscone Cup when we first did it in the states was, you know, we did it at the MGM Grand and we we cajoled people into going and everyone brought their friends and all this and stuff and then years down the line it, you know it's in a 1500 arena and pretty much sells out and but that takes that takes time and hard work but that's not to say that that, that period of time can't be compressed and we can move forward quite quickly because i mean in terms of big singles events in pool i mean the world championship's not really on anyone's agenda anymore i don't think it's it's a bit of a non, non, an anonymous event in uh qatar but um so I think there's a big there's a there's a big gap in the market for a big big pool event. Well, it, I mean, it's great to see you guys getting involved in something in the states. Is that something that you guys have have wanted to do for a time? Uh, you know, getting more involved in in stuff in the states. Well, obviously, we we've built the Moscone Cup into you know <clears throat> a success in the states. I mean, all, all it needs now is. Um, for the USA to win, which would be fantastic, and we'll probably talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, Paul's Paul's kind of gone on American TV. I mean, years year, not so long ago, there used to be men's events on TV, and there used to be the, the, the women's tours on regularly, and and now there's kind of nothing on. I don't think is there really. There's there's very little on American TV, and. I just think it's 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 kind of drifted away because nobody in the states had, had really had it, that ability to to get in front of TV executives and you know and sell the product to them. Um, but I think that's what, 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 what something that we can do. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think in in a few years' time this could be a really really big event, or, and and I think that, that that's going to happen. I mean, first year obviously of any event, you're going to learn a lot of things about it, but. I mean, it's going to be exciting, and it's you know I think the players in the end, if the players are enthusiastic about it, that's that's your main that's your main hurdle to first hurdle to cross. I think that makes sense. Um, 
You know, in the States, it seems like the fans for a long time have said for the game to get better, it requires... Some people say that it requires outside sponsorship, but really I think what they're looking for is someone to to take the game and run with it. And now I think yeah. Barry is being looked at as that person. Uh, and I mean, I don't want you to put words in Barry's mouth, but do you think that's something that he's comfortable with? I mean, being the savior of pool? Yeah, I'm not sure he quite sees himself like that, but I think he... I think he sees a, a, a quite a, a quite a big opportunity there, which is is which is why he's interested in the U.S. Open. I mean, he, you know, it's a great event. It's got it's got a great history, probably a better history than any other event ever in pool. And uh, thanks to you know Barry Berman keeping that event alive one way or the other over the years. Um, and uh, you know, I, th- I think he's, he's just enthusiastic. I mean, whether. You know, if things lead, if one thing leads to another, that would be great. But at the moment, I think the the, the main thing is to try and make this event a, a big success in April. Well, enough of the U.S. Open. I, it seems like the big news this week was the the initial squad for Team USA. Um, yeah. I, I guess I've got to you know I've got to ask the question that's on everyone's mind: of these fourteen players, are these players the only ones that are? options for team usa and you know exactly where i'm going with the question yeah i mean the the, the, the players were, were picked by johan and jeremy jones i mean Jim, J- johan would by his own admission would say jeremy's obviously got a, a greater knowledge of more players in america and you know johan's quite a, a stickler i mean he, he's, a, he's got a very strong work ethic and and he sees that perhaps the only way to, to ever get this job done is to do it in a certain way. And in order to do that, he needs the support of the players. Well, he's, he's named 14. And, you know, he, he might find that in a few months' time that some of those players don't fancy it anymore or d- didn't make the cut or, or whatever. But if he gives himself a, a wider, um, you know, a, a wider, as wide a pool as possible. Um, but he, he's, you know, he's asked a lot of the players. I mean, there's, there's, get-togethers, boot camps, trips overseas, all this sort of thing, which um, some players don't want to do. And that's entirely, the, the, like, for example, with Shane. Shane did, doesn't want to do that and by his own admission, uh, which is perfectly fine. Um, but Johan feels he can't do what he's going to do and then have Shane turn up two days before the event in London, having worked six months with, with the other four players in the team. I don't think he thinks that's, that's going to work in any way, shape or form. So he's basically looking at this 14 as his pool of players. And, you know, if someone doesn't want to be involved, then they don't want to be involved. No, I mean, no, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, obviously, I'm not privy to what he, his conversations with Shane. But, you know, I should think Shane probably, you know, for, for good reason. I mean, Shane's, you know, a highly successful player and probably didn't feel that he wanted to, to give the time the time to this Um uh, and you know that that was his decision, um, and so Johan felt well, you know, it, it would be quite difficult to operate it in a, you know, uh, having full team players, and then one at the end, very end of it, who comes in to play in the team, regardless of his ability. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I think a lot of people think you, you can't possibly have a team w- without Shane on it, but um, I mean, I think that's. Uh, that's, I mean, you know, we, we, uh, just just looking at the record, Shane has it's, it's never been Shane's greatest event in the Moscone Cup um, over the years. He's, he's never performed to the best of his ability on it for whatever reason. Maybe the team thing's not not really his cup of tea, which is fine. Um, but, but you know, I think he, he, he Johan thinks that, that there's strong enough players there if he can just get them together and and. And, and get them in the right mindset, which I don't think he feels happened last year for a variety of reasons. But I think he feels it's going to happen this year because it's do or die. You know, he's, he's got he's got to uh, they've got to do something this year, otherwise it's you know the events just kind of. I mean, it's such a long time since the USA won or even put in a convincing performance that it's um, you know the fans still love it, but you know things can't, can't things can't go on forever. 
imagine, imagine what the event would be like if each year a different team won. It would be, you know, fantastic. But it's still a fantastic event with one-sided finishes every year. But I think, you know, Johan feels that, that you know, the, the, the play, there are players there that, that, you know, are good enough to win the Moscone Cup if you can just get them playing, you know, just... And I, th- I think with I think with any team, if you if you keep no matter what the quality of the players, if you keep losing, it's quite hard to shift that mindset. Then, isn't it? Thinking that well, we like, we came in last year and lost, and the year before, and the year before, I don't think we can win. But that's that's there's there's no reason why they can't win. I mean, people might argue man for man, the Europeans are better players, which they probably are, I suspect. But um, I mean, when 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 Europe won in two thousand and three, if you if you wrote down the list of players on both sides, you look at it and think, well, you know, the USA were the better players on that occasion, but they lost, you know, twelve uh, twelve nine, I think it was, because the Europeans just really came as a team, and they've never never really not done that since then. I'm not asking for you know in an official word from Matchroom. But, you know, along the lines of it can't keep going on the way it has been, you're not looking at if Team USA doesn't win, then this is over. Aren't you? I think you'd be happy with just something competitive. Yeah, I mean, if you know, that's, that's, you know, it's certainly not over. I mean, as a broadcaster, it does, the event does well. People watch it and, you know, sponsors get involved with the event. So, you know, on, on a lot of levels, it really, really works. Um, but yeah, it just, it just, I mean, it, it'll be my, my dream every year is for the USA to win. I mean, I, I just love them to, and I'll probably go dancing into the arena if that happened, but, um, <laughs> it, it, but they, they can win. I mean, they can win. I mean, I, but I just think like that everything needs to come together at the right time, doesn't it? For, for, for some, somebody to overturn the odds. You know, in, in the year where Europeans maybe don't play that well or, few things go wrong for them and you know and I think I think what's really critical looking at the Moscone Cup over the years is it's the first day when you when you get when you get a, a bit of a drubbing on the first day it's just so difficult to recover you know there's 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 five matches on the first day if you lose four of them it, it's really tough then to come back certainly there has to be more than just the fact that they come in as a team um I mean certainly the level of play in Europe is has grown exponentially is there more to it than that um i think i think there's some, i think one of the real factors in the Moscone cup is pressure and obviously all the players feel it and i, I know i know when you talk to players who played an event for the first time they they really couldn't work they couldn't even anticipate what the pressure was going to be like during the event so that means that when a player's you know over a critical shot and they, their team's behind and they've lost the last three or four Moscone Cups or more, it, it, all of a sudden it becomes much, much harder than it might be in, 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 a, in another situation. Uh, and I think players, uh, it's not my job, but it's Johan's job to, to, to kind of get rid of all that baggage that's gone in the past uh, and just try and get them to focus on, you know, one ball at a time, or, you know, all those cliches that sportsmen talk about, but they're only cliches because they're probably true you know, for the players to just really focus down and, and, and put everything else behind them and just, you know, it's, it's only four days a year, really, the event. So, I mean, obviously it's preparation, but the event's four days and they just have to give it their all for those four days. I mean, you know, Johan's a, a really good coach. I don't think anyone would doubt that. And I, I think having Jeremy Jones alongside him was, was a really good move on his part because I think Jeremy's, A, a really very savvy bloke. Um, he's played in the event quite a few times and been really successful in it so he doesn't know what it's all about you know and he can Jeremy can still play really well as as well and I think he's got you know a lot of qualities as a as a, as a bloke as a man that will will be really really helpful towards Johan he, he didn't have anyone to assist him last year and I think that might have showed a little bit but um I think yeah having Jeremy on board is, is a really good move and I think he's really I think you know everything remains to be seen but I mean it, it and if the players can commit to the training program, which I think you know that they will do, um, because in the end, if if, if there's if the, if the American team wins in in London, and I, th- I think quite honestly, it might be easy for them to win away than it is at home because there's less distractions and the matches are in the evening rather than during the daytime. 
but for the players, if, if they did manage to win it, imagine, I can't believe, I can't even imagine what they would feel like if lifting the Moscone Cup after all those years. It would just be probably the highlight of their career, money aside and all those other things. But, you know, just to have been on the side that, that wins the Moscone Cup at last. I think he's got to try and get him sort of believing in that, that type of type of thing. And I think that, who, you know, who knows? But I think it's, uh, it, it, they've got a, a chance anyway, I'd say. It's interesting that you mention the pressure and how some of the players haven't been under that kind of pressure before, but almost half of the players that are on this initial squad have little or no experience playing the event. Uh, do you see that as a problem? Well, that's, that's a good question. I think it's almost entirely down to the individual. I mean, we've had players making their debut in the event who have really, really crumbled or, or, or other times players made their debut and just really, really shone and really unlikely. I mean, I remember when Europe won in America for the first time in 2007 and Tony Drago was the MVP. Well, nobody thought Tony Drago was going to win a match because regardless of his talents, he's a, he can be a really, um, you know, a bag of nerves, Tony, but he, somehow he sucks it all in and, and just won a load of matches with no one thought he was going to win, which led to the Europe winning the Moscone Cup. So I think it is really down to the individual. I mean, obviously having some experience helps because you know what it's like when you walk into the arena. But if your experience is been beaten every time, is it, is that necessarily the best experience to have? I, I don't know. I'm just surmising here, Mike. But I think for, for people who would be making their debuts, I think it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be down to them. I mean, you know, there's, there's other, there are some players that that's in the squad who've, obviously got experience at the event and some of them like Justin Hall played in in Blackpool and he played really well and looked really relaxed and, and won won a few matches. Justin Bergman's had his moments there as well as as Skyler has as as you know has some a couple of good Moscone Cups. So you know these players I mean I don't know which five he's gonna pick, but these guys, you know, to me are people who could win the Moscone Cup. They don't seem to me as people who are like second-rate players or anything. They're, they're decent, top-quality players who could probably on their day beat many, most people. So, you know, I think it's uh, there's a lot of work to be done and thank God I'm not doing it. But it's, um, I, I think he's, you know, he's, 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 he, he knows what he's doing here and I think he's somebody who learns by mistakes. And, uh, and I think, uh, well, who knows? But, you know, you've got above, I'm always quietly optimistic anyway so basically the first of the boot camps is in des moines is it later this month or next month yeah i think it's next month there's one there's one in des moines at, um the pool club there which they used last year uh there's one at griff's and then they're going to they're going to russia which is a paid for trip where they'll play in the Kremlin Cup, which to me is is, is fantastic experience. It's, it's a big international tournament full of top class world player, world class players, and uh, in a great setting. And you know, that, to me, that would, that would be a great thing to go to, to just to compete in that event. And then they're playing a, a, a Moscone Cup style event against some Russian players. Um, and then they're back doing stuff in the states. And then finally, they go to Europe for the event itself. But they go to Holland first for some training, and then on to UK, where they're going to do another Moscone Cup match against some UK players. So, I mean, to me, it all seems like the right, the right stuff and the right things. Um, he's just got to instill some good habits into the players, and uh, and you know, he's going to be with them for a long period of time, and he's got some budget to work with. So, I mean, uh, you know, as far as I, I mean, anything beats turning up on the day and, and sort of hoping for the best, because I don't think that's happened in the past. I mean. But, you know, Mark Wilson got together with the players a couple of times and, and sort of was trying to get it on the right track. And they did some stuff last year, but I think this year it's going to be a bit more sort of encompassing. You mentioned that the players will be uh, will be playing at the Kremlin Cup now. Do you think the team will be picked by then? Or are you talking about all 14 of these players playing for the USA at the Kremlin Cup? Uh, well... I think he's looking to pick the actual team in end of October, like generally when, when it's normally announced. So everyone's okay. going to have a, a chance to do something. And and I'm sorry, I don't have the dates right in front of me. The Kremlin Cup is when? 
No, I don't have them in front of me either, Mike, so <laughs> I, I can't tell you. I think it you might know, be in August, actually. Both of us should know this. Well, yeah, I think it's in August, so um, yeah, it'll be a nice sunny Russian summer. It'll be the second biggest sports event in Russia this year. Certainly you guys had to take some heat, uh, and, and I understand that these picks were, were by Johan and Jeremy, but, I mean, is that something you guys have gotten used to, the fact that you're going to take heat every year when it comes to the makeup of uh, the U.S. team? Well, I don't really consider it heat. I mean, I think people, everyone's got an opinion, which is which is great, and people, you know, people have this, you know, sort of have strong opinions that he should be in it or he should be in it, but I mean, that's like any sport, isn't it? It's like football or basketball or baseball, whatever. There'll be fans will be, you know, have, they'll, they'll think that he shouldn't be in the team or that player should be or or whatever. And that's just the nature of sport. And it's, it's good that people do have strong opinions about it. To be honest, I don't. I don't really consider that taking heat from the fans. I mean, we we just. I just think you know, it's good that people that uh, feel that passionate about it. So Team USA, you're looking at, at sometime in October. Uh, now, is Team Europe yeah. being done by points again? Yeah, it's a point system again, like in previous years. Um, so that, that, that's, that's it. It's, 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 it's up and running at the minute. Um, uh, our Albanian friend, um, Plenty, is top of the rankings currently. And I, I, I suspect he'll be making his debut in the in December for Europe. I mean, there's, there's plenty of events to go, but he looks very strong and in a good position. Um, but I mean, all the other spots are open, you know, there's, as I say, there's, I think three from the rankings and two wild cards. And that's down to Marcus really, who he picks. And is that kind of on the same schedule for the team to be announced in October? Yeah, I think the last event is the, uh, Pat Fleming's U S international open in, in, Chesapeake is the last European ranking event. All right. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting. Moscone Cup's always fun. It, it, it is. I mean, I, I love it. I love the event. I've worked on every single one of them. And I, I think it's just such a fantastic event. And I really do wish that and hope that the USA can step it up a bit. And I, I, I think they're, I think they're capable of doing it. And it's just, it just needs to all come together at the right time. But yeah, I'm lo- really looking forward to it in London. There's going to be a lot of people there. Um, I think there's a few American fans coming as they do and uh, yeah it's, I think it's going to be another great occasion hopefully hopefully the result will go a certain way <laughs> it's bad when you, mm. when you're actively pulling for one team over the other well I suppose but I mean as the promoter of the event I mean if if, if, if you, we were we were pulling for Europe all those years they kept losing then they eventually won, and they kept losing again, and they won, and then they kept winning. So then we're back to rooting for the USA. But um, let's hope that uh, it all works out for December. Before I let you go, um, there was talk last year, and and I'm just kind of curious where it's where it's all at. Uh, the Reyes Cup, how's that coming along? Well, that's that's uh, interesting. That one, it's it's still in in negotiations. Um, I think it's going to happen. I mean, hopefully this year if not next year, but I think it's an event people want to see. Um, and I think people, it's, there's a, there's a decent fan base at the pool in Asia. And I think that, I think Asian fans would really like to see an event like that. So that's what we're going to be looking at, um, in the next couple of months, I think. All right. Well, Luke, I know it's late out there. I won't keep you any later. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and I am positive. We'll be talking to you before Moscone cup this year. All right, then. Thank you very much, Mike. All right. Thanks, Luke. Talk to you later. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, that was Luke. Now we've got the names of the 14 players that can possibly make it. And for those times that I have a hard time finding uh, an interview to do for the show, I now have 14 candidates for that interview. I, I plan on talking to just about all of them before Moscone Cup, probably before October. But that's for a later show. For now, this is everything we've got for this show. I appreciate everybody listening, and we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks. Thanks.